When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are recording this episode ahead of game four between the Avalanche and Lightning, but we do have some Sabres news to get into today, starting off with Tim Graham's piece that came out today with regard to Kyle Opozo and his emergence as a leader for this locker room and for this team. And within that article is a lot of speculation with a lot of signs pointing to Kyle Opozo becoming the next captain of the Buffalo Sabres ahead of the 2022-2023 season. So what are your thoughts on this, Taylor? Just in terms of Opozo, his bounce back, and if you think that he should be the one to be named captain next year. So it's not completely out of nowhere, I guess. It, it's pretty obvious that the Sabres were the players, I mean, are, are pretty big fans of Oposo. And it seemed like for Oposo uh, himself, there was no thought about dropping him or, or you know, him going to, to Rochester or uh, him getting cut or released or bought out or whatever when he was having his struggles like two years ago, like when he was looking really bad injury-wise. And I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of guy he is in a locker room especially. So he has one year left on his, his current deal. And then, you know, they could always resign him after that, theoretically for a, a cheaper deal, maybe one or two years. In that case, yeah, that is, I guess, kind of a short-term bridge of captain. I, I don't know if it's reasonable to either hand the captain to see to like someone who just got here, like Tuck, uh, someone who's relatively young and still figuring things out, like Darlene, who's still only 22 years old, by the way, or, or to just go multiple years without a real captain which is what they've did done this past year is to have alternates. So I think in that way, Oposo is like a perfect bridge guy, especially if they really do plan to resign him after this season, this upcoming season. And there's a lot of anecdotes in the article that kind of give good evidence for that. I mean, one, two of the biggest to me are if Granado thinks he'd be a good captain, that's a good sign. A good captain is someone I think that both the players and coach agree should be the captain. Someone like Danny Breer comes to mind because it's important that we bring him up. Um, so that's huge if Granado thinks that and if Kevin Adams is you know I'm sure he's telling the truth or at least some version of the truth where a lot of players brought up Oposo like apropos of nothing during their uh, exit interviews about how much they respected him and I think right if I were a player on a hockey team especially a young one and I wanted the captain to be a certain guy I might drop that hint to the GM the captain's going to be someone next year in all likelihood it's probably not going to be the the, the multiple alternates again. So, see, so yeah, that's all. That's very encouraging. It's better than the the void, I think, because I I think I, maybe you have something to say about this. There's a lot of thoughts on Sabres Twitter today about what about X. Well, it's a good problem to have if there's a, a perception that there's been no pushback on that. There's a lot of guys that could be captain. So Oposo is just one choice. Tuck's another. Uh, people are floating the possibility of Oposo um, eventually, you know, being a bridge to Darlene. Or, and this wouldn't even mention that much, there's also Dylan Cousins, who seems like captain material eventually, if he can continue to improve. So that's that's good. Yeah, they, they do have a lot of options. I think that's the, the key piece here is that there are options moving forward. And just to backtrack a little bit to the quote that you had referenced earlier, 
The full quote from Kevin Adams was, quote, almost every player in the exit meetings found a way to make sure that I knew how much they respect Kyle Opozo. That's pretty unique. It wasn't like I was asking players, hey, tell me what you think about Kyle. They just said it to me. Everybody you talk to in the game of hockey across the NHL, they all say the same thing. That this, is, this is just a world-class human being. We should be proud as an organization to have him represent us every day. So backtracking to earlier in the season and really when we got talk, I think a lot of us very understandably and easily were able to get swept up in the idea of him becoming the next captain of the team because of the obvious reasons. He's from here. He's talking with a pro talking with a, a certain sense of pride about the team that we really hadn't heard in a while and just him being from here and being a good player too on top of that it made us just feel like okay this guy kind of gets it this is what Adams and Granado have been preaching for the past year plus about having guys who want to be here and Tuck seemed like the natural you know choice for that right off the right off the bat as soon as he got here pretty much with that being said, I think you have to take a look at how the season progressed and the ways that Opozo not only stepped up, but as you're alluding to there, that the players increasingly were taking to him as a leader. And I'm with you that I think that Opozo is absolutely the right choice to be the next captain. Now we have to keep in mind, yes, his, uh, his contract does end at the end of next season and sure this guy obviously seems like he loves the game of hockey and wants to keep playing. And he had a, a revitalization of his career this year, but at the same time, you know, after this next season, you got to wonder how much longer he's going to want to keep doing this. I mean, he's got a family, obviously he seems to be over his injury concerns that he had, but at the same time though, there's always going to be that looming concern there. So in my eyes, he gets through this year, then they end up maybe bringing him back on a max one or two year deal after this contract is up. And like we're saying, I think that that sets you up perfectly for a bridge. I mean, give him the captaincy. I, I think all the players respond to him. And then I think on top of that, rather than doing the dual thing, like you're saying with like him and Jurgensen's give permanent A's to the guys that you think will be next in line. So you give a Pozo a C and then maybe you have four alternating captains between Tuck, Darlene, Cousins, and maybe you want to just give one to Gergensen's just for the sake of it. Or maybe there's another, or maybe you give one to Skinner or another guy who's an established veteran. But I do think that that should really be the play. I would love for them to go with the one and four approach where you have maybe two guys who are consistently the home alternates and two guys who are consistently the away alternates. That way you have your defined leadership group, but you're allowing these younger guys who are going to eventually be stepping into these bigger leadership roles after a poser retires to insulate themselves a little bit, get a little bit more accustomed to what it's like, you know, stepping up there because for all of them, I mean, mainly Darlene, considering he was the only one who wore an A on a consistent basis last year, it was, it really only came when there were injuries involved. So giving him that from the outset, along with Tuck, cousins and you know we'll say for the sake of this like Skinner or whatever it allows them to just again really form that next generation of the leadership group after these veterans that we currently have as far as after Opozo, I, I think that that's just really going to come down to you know how the room shakes out and who really steps up I mean I, I think a big part of that too is going to be tied into, of course, obviously there's the leadership component and the guys who are going to be willing to step up and, and speak up for this team. But also we got to keep in mind too, like what happens if Darlene ends up having a crazy breakout year this year? And let's say for argument's sake, ends up becoming like a perennial point per game guy. And he is a bona fide stud superstar, which then that in turn leads to his confidence going up. I mean, and then he gets more comfortable with speaking up and being a leader. You know, if that's the case, while Tuck may have sounded like a great idea and still could end up being that, are you really not going to give the captaincy to Darlene if that's what he ends up becoming? The same thing could be said for Tuck for that matter, too. He already has a great foundation there with his ability to speak up and speak about his, his pride in being a Buffalo Sabre. But for the same argument for Darlene, what if Tuck becomes a point per game guy somehow, or he becomes a like a 70, 80 point guy. And again, that just fuels his drive to want to be a leader for this team. Are you going to really deny that and deny him of that? 
you know, same could be said for Cousins for that matter. I, I, I think with Tucker or Darlene, it's maybe a little bit more likely, but like, what if Cousins really takes a step next year? There's just so many factors that you have to take into consideration with this. And what it comes down to is we know what Tuck is. We don't fully know the potential of what Darlene or Cousins are going to be. So I think what makes the most logical sense, again, to reiterate, is just give it to Opozo for next year and beyond. You can't, you're, you're not going to have him on the roster more than three years down the line. Hell, it might not even be more than two years down the line for that matter. So let him be the guy. Let all the young guys continue to just follow his lead and just everybody just marinate in the good vibes. And, and then you're set up for the future and you're allowing these guys to then be, you know, underneath Opozo's wing moving forward rather than just throwing someone to the fire and then having Opozo be the crush that they could lean on. Yeah, it, it really is crazy too, uh, to think of how far Oposo's come in the mind of Sabres fans because his first year or three quarters of his first year was awesome. He was kind of a disappointment and we knew it wasn't hundred percent his fault either. Uh, right. I mean, it was the injury and I think people maybe even forget how bad that was. Like that could have ended his career. He talked about, he couldn't sleep. He was having manic thoughts. He said that he might want to jump out a window so he'd finally get some sleep, things like that. Asked, kept asking me to put into a coma. Like this guy was like, not in a way that, you know, you, you thought he'd might even live a normal life. And then he was back at it the next year and he had struggled on the ice for a couple of years, no doubt, but to come back to not just be a good hockey player or be serviceable in in uh, later in your career, but he came back this year and scored more goals than he ever had as a saver. He had an awesome year on the ice. He was genuinely an asset and not just as a fourth liner. So it's, it's kind of crazy. And I think that's a story or his, his story and his, his journey is something that I think young guys will respect and look up to. I think you look at some of the anecdotes in the piece that Tim Graham wrote in the athletic, and you see things like him kind of diffusing situations on the ice where Sabres younger guys were getting mocked by guys on other more successful teams and how they respect El Poso enough not to, to do that or how referees respect him and how they approach him and, or how, how he's treated by his teammates. It's, you know, it's really good for him regardless if he gets the captaincy or not in the, in the coming couple of years, it's a, it's a really impressive story. Right. And I think that you also, Tim Graham had, had touched on this. I mean, it's worth rewarding a guy too, who has been here through the darkest days in the history of this franchise in reality. I mean, we are, as we all know, the Sabres have had some pretty shady things happen in their past, but they've never had a, a 10 plus year playoff drought in the way that they are right now. And so they never had more than a three year playoff. drought. Right. Exactly. So for me, it's like, why don't you reward this guy who has quite literally brought you out of the depths of hell and into just some shred of, of light at the end of the tunnel here I do think that that deserves to be applauded and rewarded. And so again, you know, this isn't a long-term, uh, a long-term solution here. You go into that, knowing this, knowing that you're going to be getting ready to pass the baton off and you can use this as an opportunity to better insulate these younger guys in this sort of a leadership role. And so I think to put that Opozo is more than deserving. And I think that when you take, all of the different factors into play. It really, it just makes too much sense at this stage of the game. So even though I was pro talk, you know, a handful of months ago, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident now that the right move is to just give it to a Pozo. He deserves it. Yeah, for sure. And it, to think it was just like, what, 16 months ago on the pod, we were saying like, yeah, buy this guy out in the off season. You got 16, to. It was... <laughs> Not even a year ago, I feel like we were talking about that as being an option. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I guess. This, but not buying out, but being like, oh my God, what a nightmare this is, you know? Like, yeah. The buying out conversation, yeah, that was probably before uh, two seasons ago, but I think it was, know. it was early in last season. So last season was all screwed up and didn't start till January, but I think it would be like early in that season when he is coming back from injury and he looked like a beer leaguer for a little bit that would have been like January and February of last year, I want to say. So that, yeah. So that, I mean, time-wise it hasn't been that long. He finished last season Crazy. strong. I mean, he obviously got hurt again last year near the end of the year, but he, he was playing better before he got hurt. 
But anyway, so moving on, this is something that's not really news. We just haven't talked about it yet. Uh, and there hasn't been that much to talk about, but there was a, uh, a news story uh, saying, so it, this basically came out, it was a, a release from the Pagula family, and I'm 100% sure everyone listening to this has already heard this. It yeah. came la- a week ago yesterday. So when you're listening to this, it's been over a week already, but the statement uh, from the Pagula family said, Kim Pagula is receiving some medical care as a result of some unexpected health issues. We are very grateful for the progress she has made over the past few days. She has an exceptional team of medical experts at her side. We ask that you keep Kim and her, our family in your prayers and ask that you respect our need for privacy. So it was later reported that she was in the hospital, and I believe it was reported that she was in the ICU as well. And there hasn't been an update, which is not good. It is very bad, in fact. I mean, that's my opinion, but I can't see no update over the course of nine days being a good thing. And in fact, it even worse, to make matters worse, she'd already been in the hospital for a week when they released the statement. So she's been in the hospital, presumably the ICU, for more than two weeks. So this is a serious, serious matter. Now, there's a whole lot of debates that can happen here. Um, A Spectrum reporter was the person who initially reported uh, that this, that where the, what hospital it was that she was in the ICU, things like that. And there's kind of a debate that comes up from like the public, what is public uh, information for a public figure versus rights privacy stuff. And there's a balance there, especially when it comes to medical issues. And so that's, a lot of that is interesting. I guess what's, it's more pressing to know and i'm surprised we haven't heard more of this or seen reporters kind of dig into this information is just the kind of the simple thing we don't need to know exactly what's wrong with her we don't need to know anything more specific about the severity other than she can't work and she's incapacitated it's very serious from this perspective what is actually going on with the sabers what is the, the protocol because remember she actually is the president of all five of these teams now What's going on with the Amherst right now is not probably not important. That little cross teams that season's over anyway. To now, the Bills are it's not even training camp yet, so that you could put a pin in that for a while. But from the hockey perspective, she's technically the president. So, who is the point person when it comes to the draft and free agency? Like, I'm surprised there hasn't been anything on like will the stra- will the process change and if not why and here's why i think that's important first of all the process is important because it's it's the draft and free agency these are pretty important it's an important draft important free agency period for the savers it's a big off season and and trades are also part of this equation so either kimpagul is a very important part of this and they need to put in some structure in place or some change to to offset that or basically the very simple thing, it just changes to Kevin Adams reports directly to Terry Pagula, who presumably, I mean, has his hands full. I guess I, in this case would give Kevin Adams a lot of power to do basically whatever he wants in this situation. Uh, but yeah, I just, I wonder why there hasn't been, that hasn't been made clear yet by any reporters. Maybe the Pagulas haven't thought of it. Terry Pagula, I mean, or, or the Sabres, you know, brain trust hasn't thought of it of what to do here because it's such a serious situation, but are you surprised we haven't heard basically any reporting on this? Well, I'm not necessarily surprised just because of the fact that that seems kind of par for the course for the Pagulas and how they go about these things. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to, I mean, we haven't experienced something like this, but how many times have we talked about various PR related issues that the fan base has with the Pagulas and their ability to communicate what they're up to and what's going on. And, I'm in agreement with you that with something like this, it's a very, very touchy thing. Like she absolutely has a right to privacy when it comes to her own healthcare and everything. However, it is still important to remember that we're only two weeks away from the draft by the time that people are listening to this, you know, and free agency for that matter too. And so I think it is important to have an understanding of what really the chain of command is and who is in charge right now. That being said, this could also at the same time be making something more out of nothing. And maybe it's just that it just goes through Terry, you know, I mean, it's, it's his wife. So if it comes down to it, the the simple thing, at least in my mind, and probably the most likely scenario here is that Kevin Adams is directly reporting to Terry without Kim being in the middle there as team president, but it's definitely concerning for sure. I mean, we've taken our shots at the Pagulas over the years, but it's just really unfortunate. And 
I think that that's the thing is that there's just so many questions surrounding this and we're dealing with an organization that more often than not has not given sufficient answers for what the fans not only want to know, but should probably have a right to know if that makes sense. Right. Right. I think there's, there's, there's this this tough balancing act, like I said before, where it's like, we shouldn't, just because Kim Pagula is an important person doesn't mean we should get second to second updates on how she's doing or even really know exactly what happened. You know, a lot of that stuff health-wise can stay private, but I think there needs to be some general idea put out there. And this, I guess, should come through reporting of how serious it is because she is a public figure. It's not just of yeah. interest in terms of what are the Sabres going to do? What are the bills going to do? Of course, that stuff's all important, but she's one half of a couple that owns it, it was just very important to Buffalo. Like, I mean, there's no way around it. They just got the the state to build the state and the county to help fund most of a billion and a half dollar football stadium. They built Harbor Center downtown. They operate that they, the arena downtown. I th- think they uh, are still involved in, I mean, they're still involved. They are basically the landlords for Southern tier. They own that building. I'm pretty sure they're still mostly involved in, you know, the little bad house, but just generally, no, that's they, fair. They matter. So, like, her her status matters. I guess I think there needs to be at least a little bit more information. And then on on the Sabers end, like, yes, it is just a game, and maybe this is just a drafted free agency and not a life or death situation. Uh, but really, what what goes what what plan they put in place is irrelevant to her health. I mean, that's something they have to do anyway. So as long as they're doing that, I think it's worth letting the fans know because as we've said many times sports aren't just a game they're uh at this level a civic institution i know they're not treated that way right but they are no so, of course but it's, so it's worth you know it's worth wondering i guess considering there's been so much secrecy and and now when you listen to this it'll be the 23rd and if we haven't heard anything yet by thursday the 23rd when this podcast comes out it'll have been 16 days since, yeah. since this incident happened and i think it's important one point i at least want to make is While, as I said before, it's easy to assume that Kevin Adams or whoever would just report to Terry when it comes to matters of free agency or the draft or whatever it may be, I don't feel as though Terry is going to be picking up the slack on Kim's job duties too, which is a whole other thing too for what else she may be working on right now. Obviously, it's the off season, and so that helps, as you alluded to before, but She's the president of two major professional sports organizations and you're working year round in that job. So who is taking over for those responsibilities that she has right now? Yeah. As we've said on here uh, before, she has already has more responsibilities than anyone should have. Yeah. Being president of five teams. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I know we said the, the bandit in the short term, the bandits, Nighthawks and, Amherst don't matter quite as much, but like eventually someone will have to be in charge of those things. Eventually that will matter. Who knows how long of a, a recovery this is. So yeah, I guess it's, it's mostly a mystery, but mm-hmm. all right, before we, so we have a, a more fun topic than this. Uh, before that though, we're going to get to our uh, talk about our sponsor, unless there's anything you want to add before then. No, no. I want to, I want to talk about DraftKings. All right. Hockey fans, a pursuit for the Stanley cup is on. And we have a series now. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 at any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So Taylor, last night, being Tuesday night, the NHL held its annual awards ceremony with a lot of the presumed names walking away 
with the respective awards, namely Austin Matthews winning the Hart, Kale McCarr winning the Norris, Igor Shosturkin winning the Vesna Trophy. So what we wanted to do, everybody, is take a look at each of these awards and think who would be the next Sabre to potentially win each of the various awards and subsequently which award is the most likely to happen first. So some of these I think are going to be a little bit more difficult than others, admittedly. But why don't we start off with the Vesna Trophy, Taylor? Why, so wait, why don't we start off by shitting on the NHL awards? Okay, let's um, do it. Go ahead. Because they've been bad in the past, but now they're to a point where I think it's kind of nonsensical. What is the point, especially when you're putting them on regular ESPN, real ESPN, that's big for these awards? Why are they being aired at 7 p.m. Eastern time as a one-hour show? And why did you cut out all these other awards? I know people don't care about as much about these other awards, but like, why not just do the full array of awards? Yeah. Like, why not just do that all in one night? You get to do all the awards. You do, I try to do two funny things. They won't be funny and air it at eight or later. I mean, come on, you aired it at 4 p.m. Pacific time. What are Mm -hmm. you doing? Yeah, that's brutal. Have you ever heard of prime time before? Like if it's a three hour award, it's a one hour award show. It was over before people were getting out of work in California. Come on. And you had someone like Keenan, who's genuinely very funny. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a little worried. That's the second thing I was going to say before we get to the, the actual awards. In 2019, the last regular NHL awards, Keenan hosted that as well and said the Tampa Bay Lightning broke the record for or tied the record sorry, for most wins ever in the regular season was 62. Some, you know, some tepid applause from the Tampa Bay people or ju- just generally the crowd. And then they said they also tied the record for fewest playoff wins ever in a season with zero. And there was kind of like a groan, like, oh, you can't make fun of us. And there's a lot of, a lot of consternation about that. And then, you know, a lot of like, oh, hockey fans can't take a joke, but they haven't lost a playoff series since, and they may still win this cup. And then last night he ended with a burn on Austin Matthews and the Leafs saying that it's nice to see the Leafs win something in June. So hopefully that does not lead to a similar tear from the Leafs coming up. We'll see. So did you want to start with Vesna? you said? Yeah, why don't we do that? So Taylor, of the existing Sabres currently in the franchise right now, who do you think is the most likely to eventually win a Vesna? Or if you want to get really creative, you could also pick somebody if you have a prediction for who they might end up picking up in free agency or via trade this off season. I don't think the Vesna is coming from there. So I'll just say the, the only real chance on the roster now is Devin Lee, not roster in the organization is Devin Levi who hasn't even signed yet. Levi said a super impressive uh, college season last year. He had one of the best save percentages of the 21st century in the NCAA and the goalies that he compared to with that save percentage, the only guys that were around him historically guys like Ryan Miller, who was a Vesna winner famously, so I think that he has the best chance. I don't know that you're finding a goalie for agency this year that's going to win the Vesna for you. But I'm looking at the guys who were the, the Vesna finalists this year. Two of them were actually free agents. Not finalists, I shouldn't say. The, the voting. Two of the top four were picked up via free agency. So I'm looking at the guys who actually got votes. The thing is to say, though, I mean, it doesn't really matter who two through four were because it was a blowout. Shesterkin won easily. Uh, 29 of the 32 first place votes. I, I think the GMs vote on this one. So three GMs picked Frederick Anderson, Andre Vasilevsky. Okay. On both of those, not right, but close enough. And one picked Ilya Sorokin. So that was a, that's a, that's certainly a, you got a first place vote. Yeah. Insane. Uh, Markstrom finished second. He was a free agent. Frederick Anderson finished fourth. He was a free agent. And then UC Saros and Shesterkin were both. Draft picks, I believe they were first and third. So good for Shesterkin. Uh, yeah, so I guess you can, but I don't think the Sabres are gonna. And I think if they, I think the real likelihood is Levi. Yeah. So I would agree. That's my guess on that one. I would agree and don't really have much more to add. So why don't we move on to the next one then, which is the Calder. Maurice Sider ended up beating Trevor Zegers out to win the Calder this year. This is one that. There's a lot of options here. You know, obviously Owen Power really comes to the top of your mind when you consider, of course, his draft pedigree, how good he looked in his trial last year towards the end of the season. However, on top of that, though, 
Another thing that really helps with winning the Calder is the ability to score goals. So that makes me think that Jack Quinn may have a legitimate shot too, if he's able to stick in a top six role here moving forward, you know, starting in next season. Yeah, that makes sense to me, actually. I think the the reason there are options too is because unlike like the NBA and NFL, for example, you just can be a rookie whenever. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's nothing to do with your draft year. So yeah, power is a great example. In fact, to me, power is easily the number one. There are other options, but Power, I think, will probably be the betting favorite to be the Calder next year, right? Former first overall pick coming in a year older than the, I mean, assuming it's Shane Wright, the other first overall pick. I mean, we haven't had that in forever. I wonder if Eric Johnson was the favorite back in the day. He shouldn't have been. As soon as I'm saying they shouldn't have been because Pat Kane was coming in. I don't know if anyone's going to come in and score that much as a forward, but you always have guys, too, that are wild cards. Like, look look at guys that have won. Did anyone think Jordan Bennington was going to win? Or... Panarin, no one knew anything about him, and he won easily. Yep. Another guy like that came in third this year, Michael Bunting, who did actually worse than I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to – I thought he was likely to win the Calder, or at least finish pretty close. He was nowhere close to Cider, finished third, Thank 26 God. years old. There's always guys like that, but that also helps the Sabres. That helps the other guys who are no one power. So, like you mentioned, Quinn, for example. Paterka is a lot less likely. But go down the line a little bit. You have three draft picks this year. That guy who gets picked ninth? What if he doesn't come over for – what if he skips two years? What if he does one year wherever he's already playing, one year in the AHL or wherever he's already playing, and then comes the NHL as a 20-year-old? That could be huge. What if Isaac Rosine comes over when he's 23 and he's just like – I mean, he's he's in the AHL right now, isn't he? So that doesn't make much sense, does it? But what all I'm saying is guys that come in when they're in, you know not 18, that helps a lot. Let me ask you this. Do you feel as though – even though power was the first overall pick, at least from an odds standpoint that he would have better odds than say Maddie Beniers, who is pretty much guaranteed to be one of the top two centers for the Kraken next year. And also looked very good as well. I mean, obviously cider winning this year shows that it's, it's not an unheard of thing for defensemen to do it, but you know, he was exceptional this year. And while Zegras definitely put up a great year there in Anaheim as well, I don't know. And I'm also just trying to think of other guys too. William Ackland is another guy who comes to mind, who is a possibility too for the 2023 Calder. Oh, is the entire draft class of last year eligible basically? Uh, Just about, I would think, right? Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, so that, I guess, yeah, that does throw another wrinkle. And I hadn't really thought of Bernier's. I'm not sure about I mean, Eklund's another one too. They could definitely score a lot. Uh, yeah. Th- those are, those are both things that uh, those both make sense to me. It is interesting that it, it's, it's another, you know, way of it's not usually 18 year olds. Zagris and Cider, both are from the same draft. They're both 2019 draft guys. So they're, they're both, two years before they actually had a full-time NHL season. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, like that helps. I mean, having one season where you are the best player in college hockey, that, I'm sure that helps. I know that they, they didn't come down to that decision because some goalie who had a lot of wins or whatever, I don't know how to watch college hockey, but um, I don't know. I think it's, I think power has a really good look at it. I'm not sure when else has all that great of a look at it, but Hey, maybe Jack Quinn scores as much in the NHL as he did in the AHL last year. I mean, that'd be insane. He's not going to do that, but maybe he scores 30 goals. And then it's like, wow, that's, that's a real opportunity. So here's one that's not eligible, by the way. There are two guys I would say that aren't eligible next year for the Calder from the 2021 draft. Cole Sillinger mm. and Janice Moser. Your uh, guy, your guy, Janice Moser. Yeah, I don't know how, what the cutoff is. Baneers only played 10 games. Then it's nine and eight for McTavish, Johnson, Eklund, and Power. Hmm. should be interesting yeah absolutely no there's a lot of options there i think that'll be a really interesting race next year but it will also be really cool for all of us at least to know that the sabers have two legitimate contenders too you know right off the right off the bat from the get-go so that'll be exciting to see so taylor shall we continue on with our our awards here i have a jack adams take i think it's this is only tangentially related very funny that the panthers might be hiring paul maurice they, I'm pretty sure, are right. Yeah, it's looking like they're going to hire Paul Maurice. 
to replace Jack Adams finalists. I want to I want to say thank you to them for increasing the likelihood of our Sam Reinhart returns to Buffalo master plan. Thank you so much, Florida. We appreciate it. So which which award did you want to move on to now? Should we do the Art Ross? Yeah, uh, I thought I thought Tage Thompson was robbed. I concur. I concur. I mean, do you think is, is he the most likely one for you? You think? Oh, okay. So, the Art Ross. Uh, no, that's obviously not like a, a something that's like awarded. It's something you you win yourself. Yeah. So no, Tage isn't going to do it. So the Art Ross is worth remembering. Like there was a time when like three guys won it over like twenty something years, and then since then it's been you know it's been handed around a little bit more, but still like. I think McDavid's won it four times now. Drysdale won it once, at least. I think. I don't think Matthews ever did. A lot of good players haven't done it. Ovechkin's done it a couple times. Crosby's done it a couple times. It is not an easy award to win. No. Oh, and I mean award. I mean it's accomplishment to have, not not an award. I guess an accomplishment to have. Like I don't. I can't think of anyone that's done it that's not like a Hall of Famer. Thornton's done it. Yager did it a million times. The Sedins both did it. They're probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, I assume. Like, this is an award. Not an award. I, gotta, I keep saying that. This is an achievement that only guys who are eventually going to make the Hall of Fame, you know, it's not like leading the NFL in passing yards. Like, so that that's why I'm going to say no to Tage, even though I love Tage. So I'm going to say no to Jeff Skinner. Mm-hmm. I got to think that it's got to be someone who has, like, limitless potential. So, it hasn't happened for a defenseman in, I think, since Bobby Orr. So, sorry, no Deline, no power. I don't know that there's anyone around that's going to do it. To me, it seems like with the young guys, Quinn is the best goal scorer. Krebs is a great passer. Paterka's got a good all-around game. Doesn't seem like he's going to pile up points to a crazy extent. So, I'm just going to have to go off the possibility that Quinn – you know what? No, I'm going to say it's whoever we pick ninth overall. They have the best shot. I was going to say my pick is either Connor Bedard or, uh, or Connor Mishkov. Bedard. Him or Mishkov. I, I, man, I, I do not Keep agree. Your Sabres Art Ross winner, Matt Vey Mishkov. Just wait, everybody. You know what? I, I have a better answer. Sam Reinhart when he comes back. Yes, that is what we like to hear. Honestly, right, the well, Sabres aren't going to do this, but if they were to sign Gaudreau, he'd, he'd be the most likely. Right. Still right. probably wouldn't do it though. I was just curious for who you would think on that because that I think is probably the most outlandish one. But back to the actual awards that get handed out. How about for the Norris? I think there's two clear options here in Darlene and Power. Which of the two do you think is more likely to happen? It's easy to say like you haven't seen anything from Power in the NHL. You've only seen a few games. So you can't just pick him for the Norris. Um, and it's also easy to say you've seen a lot of Dalene. You really think he's going to win the Norris with how he plays in his own zone? So I'm going to go with the other easy thing to say and say uh, it's going to be Samuelson. No, it's going to – I think it's power because there's still that limitless, limitless potential that we don't really know about that we can pretend – not pretend, but like imagine like, hey, maybe Owen Power – is going to be our Victor Hedman. But we, it's kind of getting harder to think Dallin is going to be like Eric Carlson. Maybe it'll be like John Carlson, who was pretty close to Norris. That'd be nice. And I, I do have some faith in Dallin. I think he's getting a lot better in a lot of ways that we've, we've talked about many times. So I'm going to go with power, I think, is most likely. Now, in this one, though, this year, did you see how close the vote was? Very very, very, very close. Yeah, Yossi, I'm going to look it up while you, you give your answer. Right behind him. Yeah, so you can give your answer on this. Who do you think it is? Power. Well, I think for the potential of happening first, I want to say Darlene. And while I agree with you when you're talking about overall potential, I do think that it's power and very easy to make that argument. But let's keep in mind, I mean, Kel McCarr won it this year and obviously was outstanding and deserving of the award and is going to be in the top three of voting for the foreseeable future. However, Dalian is younger than him. Let's keep that in mind too. Dalian is only 22 years old and the version of him that we saw 
the second half of last season is probably the best version of him we've seen yet. And you want to think that he's going to be able to come off of this strong second half of the season, having a full off season to really work on his game, work on the areas of his game that he feels he needs to improve. They're more comfortable with Granado. Now the vibes in general are better. And so part of me wants to think that it's plausible that Darlene can end up taking a step. And in reality, I think, Things like injuries will make it easier for that to happen. But also, I think it's important to remember, too, that even though Darlene maybe isn't the best in his own zone, if he puts up 80 points at some point in the next couple of seasons, while that's obviously a big ask, but like hypothetically speaking, if he's able to do that, that probably gets you into the top five. And is he that? Is it that far-fetched to think that Darlene, given what we've seen in his potential and his growing confidence would be able to be a point per game guy. I think it's not something that you necessarily are like, yes, this is going to happen or that's very likely that'll happen. But if it does happen, I don't think that I would be totally completely flabbergasted by it. And I think that if he's able to hit that and just becomes a pure elite offensive defenseman, who's able to do to go like, you know, 20 goals, 60 assists, 80 points. That gets you pretty close. It gets you in the conversation, at least. Yossi's getting older. Makar maybe gets injured a year. I don't know. It could happen in terms of, you know, that being the more immediate, uh, the, 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 I guess just to say the fastest way of getting there. But, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to take a safe bet and just go off of overall potential and what could be, Power, I think, obviously makes sense there, too. So I can see really either one of them for for varying reasons. But I I don't think it's completely far-fetched to think that Darlene could eventually do it. It's far-fetched, but not, like, you know, I I just don't want to – it's a far-fetched thing, given where what he's shown us and everything. And obviously, we don't know how he's going to progress. But I I don't think it's – to the point where we would have to be like, Oh my God, can you believe that this happened? Like whoever could have seen this coming? Like the guy was taken first overall and he's got otherworldly talent. He just hasn't been able to fully put it together. And he's just starting to realize that. So if he's able to do that, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm looking at the the ballot. So it looks like, Yossi actually had more first place votes than Makar. He did, but Makar had only Makar did not have any fourth or fifth place votes. If I'm not, no, that's that's what did it. Yeah, that's basically second place votes. Makar had 98, and Yossi had 76, and then Makar had five uh, third place votes. Yossi had 17, and then three fourth place votes. So obviously, Yossi was a little bit more divisive. 98, though, he had 98 first place points he also had like 98 points this season so good for him Makar obviously incredible and then I gotta say this was a pretty uniform ballot there's a couple random fifth place ones at the bottom but like Hedman and McAvoy were the only other guys to get first or second place votes so mm-hmm. no one else did I mean in fact Chris Letang who finished seventh didn't even get a third place vote wow yeah and Chris Tanev got a vote good for Chris Tanev how about good for that Chris Tanev that's All right. remarkable. <laughs> so what's uh, what's the next one? The Ted Lindsay Award. I mean, this is the same thing as the heart. Yeah, same kind of idea there. So we could just kind of combine these into one. So Taylor, who is the most likely player to be voted? The NHL's MVP along with its most outstanding player. So this is another tough one. Anyone who's followed awards voting over the years knows that for some reason goalies and defensemen almost never win these the last goalie to win the heart was price in 15 and jose tador won in the early 2000s mm-hmm. besides that it's like hashik in the late 90s and it has not happened since then it's and no it's been those two canadian goalies in this century that's it defenseman has it been 20 years since chris pronger won yeah about so, 
the, yeah, those guys, it's just a forward. And so we generally very high scoring forward. And it's, it's another award that uh, it gets passed around by mainly hall of famers. It's been, I mean, look at recent years. It's been Matthews, McDavid, Drysdale the last three years, Kucherov the year before that. I don't remember who won in 2018, but I'm, I, I almost guarantee it was a high score. You know, it was Taylor Hall actually won in 2018, 2017, McDavid. 2016, Pat Kane. 2015, that was the weird carry price here. 2014, Crosby. 2013, Ovechkin. Like these are, it, it just, that's the level of guy that wins. And for a goalie to win, it has to both be a down year for forwards or, and sorry, a down year for forwards and a tremendous year for that goalie where he also stand, stands above the competition. Shesterkin did not winning this year is... It's a sign of how hard it is to win as a goalie. Defensemen, forget it. It's been 20 years. It was the heart of the dead puck era, and it was a defenseman having one of the, you know, one of the best defensemen ever having his best season. So very tough. Very tough to see who's going to win this. So here's the candidates. Either we break the mold of power or Darlene. It's really hard for me to see that. Think of all the guys we who have come in the last 20 years that haven't done this. Nick Lidstrom didn't do it. Nick Lidstrom did not do it. Eric Carlson didn't do it. Brent Burns didn't do it. Zeno Chara didn't do it. None of those guys did it. Let me Goal ask you this. Thing, same thing. We don't really have a goalie right now. So, well, let me ask you this. Would you say it's more likely that Darlene or power win the heart or that Devin Levi does? Man, that's really tough. That's a weird question, isn't it? Yeah. Because you don't even know if Levi is going to come here. You don't <laughs> know what kind of NHL is going to be like. It's tough. I, I give a slight edge to, since I, man, I guess I give a slight edge to power again on the potential thing. I know that could apply to Levi too, but we don't even know what his timeline is or if he wants to be here yet. So that adds a wrinkle for sure. I think okay. he does want to be here, but we'll see. Yeah. And then, okay. So here's what I, I guess my answer is, this is going to seem like a crazy answer. Is it Jack Quinn? Jesus. Here's my thought on why it isn't the other guys. I think Tage and Skinner last year, that's like the best you're going to see of Tage and Skinner. Now, right. Tage improved a whole bunch going into last year, becoming a center. So maybe he has more to improve. I put him above Skinner in likelihood at the very least. Skinner, love the guy. This is about what he is. Tuck, solid middle six guy, being the first line in a pinch, not an MVP candidate guy. Cousins looks like he's going to be a solid all-around guy. Maybe, maybe with more improvement, a guy who gets selkie votes. I don't know beyond that so after that you're looking at prospects and it's like to me Krebs and Paterka are guys that look like good solid guys I'm going to lot in the NHL Jack Quinn has had kind of a meteoric rise and it starts with his last year of juniors and that kind of gives me more hope back a year ago at this time I would have told you that's a huge concern oh no he didn't score a lot until his last year of juniors when he was pretty much 18 that whole season yikes that's not a good sign but mm-hmm. the fact that he immediately was able to, after a terrible like circumstance season in the AHL where they only played like 30 games, he was able to come in and like be one of the best players in the AHL from a production standpoint, where he played in the NHL a little bit and he didn't look like he was out of sorts. Like he looked like he belonged. That that leads me to believe that there's a more opportunity for growth than anyone. And I love Tage, but come, I mean, can he really improve that much more? I mean, maybe he can. I hope he proves me wrong. But being a 38 goal scorer who's like, really, really solid in the 200 foot game. I feel like that's a good ceiling for Tage. He's not a young, super young guy. He's not an old guy either. So he's not about to get old, but he's 25 years old, right? Tage is mm-hmm. so, or he's about to be 25. So like, that's, that's good. If that's what he yeah. is. That's fantastic. Way better than we thought. So no disrespect to Tage, but maybe Jack Quinn is like a crazy goal scorer. Now he's also, even if he's like a 40 goal scorer, Jack Quinn, he's not all that likely to win it. I mean, you heard the list I just gave going back 10 years. I'll never forget this. Steven Samko scored 60 goals. He didn't win. Austin Matthews scored 60 goals for a, a very good playoff team. Very good team that made the playoffs. Not a very good team in the playoffs, obviously. Nice. And as an excellent 200-foot game. He, it was a question of whether he was going to win or not. Right. That's it's true. a hard award to win. Like, the guys that win it. I mean, when's the last time a guy won the heart and you're like, he's not making the Hall of Fame? Is it Theodore? That was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Probably. Uh, well, Taylor Hall. Oh yeah, forgot about Taylor Hall. Yeah, 
but Man, still, you know what? That might that's going to rejigger my calculus a little bit. Now I think about it. No, nah, it's still going to be Quinn. No, because I, I I agree. Could be a high scoring guy in a team that barely makes the playoffs in a year where that's not all that great of a year. There was a couple <laughs> things that had to really go right for Taylor Hall to win that award. I can't believe that I'm saying this, but can you believe just generally speaking that we're talking about this, that like, I agree with you that I do think that after thinking about it, Quinn is probably the most likely of somebody who's in the, in the franchise right now. Yeah. Like it's, it it, it is a ceiling thing. It's all about potential. And again, like if he, he's young enough. And if you look at, like you mentioned, he was one of the best players in the AHL this season or one of the best, he had like the best season. He had one of the best seasons in the AHL of like the past, like 10, 15 years. Like, wasn't his scoring comparable like Kucherov? Yeah. So when you're talking about potential, yeah. If Quinn pops off and becomes like a 50 goal guy or something, that's getting you in the top five. Yeah. I would actually like to say something about this. This is funny that I'm saying it's Jack Quinn because literally earlier this week. So I was, I was tweeting at our, would you say colleague Joe Marino from the charging yeah. Buffalo? He has a, a podcast in the, in the charging Buffalo network. Check it out. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Very, very smart uh, uh, prospects guy as well. So he was talking about how, how he didn't want the Sabres to draft someone and he got a lot of pushback uh, and people saying like, haven't you learned anything, blah, blah, oh, blah, trust the process stuff. And he was talking about like, okay, just cause Josh Allen and Jack Quinn worked out doesn't mean every, that every, everything, both franchises do is going to be right forever. And I pointed out, and I still believe this, Jack Quinn hasn't actually worked out yet. He's played two NHL games. Right. It seems like he's definitely going to work out way more than we thought. It hasn't happened yet. But I, I both simultaneously believe it hasn't worked out yet, and he's the most likely to win the Hart Trophy. That's sports yeah. for you. I well, also it's about having nuance with the conversation with all 100%, of that. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so frustrating about that. I mean, it's similar to the logic of people now in the NFL when they have a quarterback who's maybe big or doesn't have all their tools put together or whatever, or a project quarterback, that it's going to end up keeping a lot of NFL franchises back if their mentality is going to be, well, look at Josh Allen and look at how he turned out. Like, that's just not what you can do. That's not what the reality of evaluating these players is. At the end of the day, yeah, Jack Quinn might work out. But again, to your point, not only has he not played any games yet, we don't like what if Marco Rossi ends up becoming like a Hall of Famer or Cole Cole Perfetti ends up becoming a Hall of Famer. Like people to already be. And again, like I agree with you and I'm saying like Quinn's potential is limitless and I think he's going to be awesome. But for people to be taking a victory lap about that, because the guy isn't a colossal train wreck, like, like we originally thought, like. He was taken with a top 10 pick. Like he should be having this kind of promise. Like this is, these are the conversations that we should be having right now about him. It just so happens that at the time it was extremely controversial because people didn't think that he was taken in the spot where he actually belonged. But again, though, like for those people who are saying that, that point is totally moot. If Marco Rossi, again, actually going back to our Calder talk, absolutely somebody who could be in contention for the Calder next year or Cole Perfetti for that matter, what if they end up totally popping off and being great? Anton Lindell too. That dude was on the president's trophy leading or the president's trophy winner this year, playing in a consistent third line role for them and looked damn good while doing it too. So, I mean, again, like while they may be right about the player, that doesn't mean that the pick is necessarily right yet. We just don't know. Yeah. And I, like to your point about Josh Allen, if you become an NHL, if, if you're an NHL GM, and you I can't start on one someday. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be super fun. It'll be sick. We have the best seats. So oh. if you start looking at guys who their age, like seven, what's more or less their age 17 season in juniors, but they weren't draft eligible. Like they aren't draftable. They're, they have a weird late birthday. Like when their age 17 season, they didn't score a lot. What is essentially their age 18 season. They do score a lot. And then they're draft eligible after their age 18 season. So that's basically the Jack Quinn. If you follow that model and just go like, well, it worked for Jack Quinn. If it does work, that's, that's going to lead you down a bad path as well. It's the same as the Allen thing. That's not, that's not great. I also would like to point out, this is just a, I guess a word of advice when thinking about these things, because it can be tricky. So when we look at like your draft year, your draft plus one year, your draft plus two, and where you are in various leagues, I had someone say to me when I say Quinn didn't work out yet, that 
he's going to work out because his only comparable for his draft plus two year is Nikita Kucherov. That is not true. That's his only AHL comparable. Right. Like draft plus two. You know who the best draft plus two guy is that we've seen? Who's that? I don't know. It's hard to say because uh, Alex Ovechkin had 50 goals in the NHL. Sidney Crosby had 102 points and won the MVP. So it's probably him. Right. But just some other guys like McDavid had 100 points and won MVP. Like it's those guys were all draft plus two guys as well. Now, granted, all those guys were first overall picks I just mentioned. But let's name a second overall pick, Jack Eichel. His draft plus two year, he was almost a point of game player in the NHL, and he's not at the the level of those other guys. So, so that's it basically. Good for Jack Quinn. Are we going to talk about the Selkie at all, or no? Yeah, that's what I was going to get to next. Okay. So, who do you got? Do you think it's Dylan Cousins? I mean, I feel like he's probably the logical choice for this one, just considering the type of player that he's been branded as. On top of that, Granado has not been shy about giving him big minutes against other teams' toughest assignments. He had a lot of experience this year going against the likes of Crosby, Barkov, Braden Point. I mean, he was getting really tough assignments this year, and – you know, it, it's, it's taken some time for him to put it together, but he's embraced it. And by and large, he's been able to keep up with some of those guys. Is there anybody else besides cousins who comes to mind or is he really the one for you that you feel makes the most sense here? Well, it's probably worth mentioning Rasmus Asplund who has yeah. like incredible defensive metrics, but as we know with the Selkie, they want you to be a good score, but not a great score, which bodes well for cousins. I think, cause I think yeah. that's what he's going to be. Uh, so Asplund is thing too, right? Though with Asplund, in my mind at least, like hundred percent, he'll continue to get votes. I'm sure, as he absolutely rightfully should. But you're not going to win the Selkie being a team's third line left winger or third line center or whatever. Like you got to be getting top six minutes, really tough assignments, and again, like the scoring side of it is just as important as the minutes are. Uh yeah, no, I I agree. So I don't think he's a possibility. I just wanted to mention him. Cousins is the likely one to me. Although I think all these are kind of unlikely, unfortunately, even though I think the Sabres are going to be good. I don't know about any of these awards. There's just a few awards a year and they're pretty much all won by hall of famers. Well, I believe that that's our last one. So that probably leads us into the final part of this conversation. Taylor, which of these awards is the most likely to be won by a Buffalo Sabre in the coming years? Like which, which is going to happen first and an acceptable answer to this is the one award that we did not talk about, which is, of course, the Jack Adams. Calder. Mm, Calder. You know what, though? I got to think about this because the first year the Sabres make the playoffs, the coach is probably going to win Jack Adams, isn't he? Yep. That's if the Sabres make it next year, Granada would definitely win Jack Adams. He probably win it in 2024. So I'm going to say those two are. I want to give a slight edge to Jack Adams and then Calder. Interesting. So you think it's more likely that it's more likely that Owen Power or Jack Quinn will not win the Calder than it is for Granado to end up winning the Jack Adams? I think it's pretty close to equal, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Granado. So I'm also going to alter what I said. I don't think that the Sabres will win any NHL awards outside of these two, or maybe the Masterton. Oh, there you go. Wait, and then there's another one, actually, now that I think about it, that I think we're missing, right? Hmm. Uh, the Lady Bang. The Lady Bang. Jeff Skinner, next year. He disrespected the Bang. <laughs> How? Uh... That's a great question. How do you disrespect the bang? He was being rude to the dancers. <laughs> so Jeff Skinner for the bang, I could do that. I could see that. He is kind of like a little. Sam Reinhardt is actually going to win it. Oh, okay. For the Sabres? Yes. I was going to say Jeff Skinner can be a little ragamuffin sometimes. He can. He actually wouldn't. I just, I was watching that video that the Sabres posted on Instagram about him behind the scenes and what a great fellow. So real quick, I want to say all the one the coach the coaches and players I think are most likely to win. The, actually, you know what? The Jack Adams and the GM of the Year award that's too obvious. I know <laughs> it'd be one of those two, the, the two guys that are currently in those roles. But so 
I want to say of all of those, the most likely to win any of those awards. That's Calder, one. That's own power for Calder. Two, Jack Quinn for Calder. Three, Jack. Mm, no. So I'm, I'm excluding the Jack Adams, like I said. Power, one, Quinn, two. Oposo for Masterson, three. I like that. I would agree with that. Now, what about the Marc Messier Leadership Award? Oposo, baby. Yeah, I mean, these awards, uh, it's worth noting, have different people vote on them. Like GMs vote on the goalies, broadcasters vote for the Jack Adams, and then the pro hockey writers vote for... vote for most of the rest of them. The one that uh, people might not know is the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Do you know how it's decided, Brendan? Tell me. Mark Messier picks. Good for him. <laughs> That's this good. Is that the, we're just this is the weirdest Messier award on. they have. It's like, all right, let's let this old guy pick just <laughs> who he thinks the best leader was this year. And before, like, this year, he wasn't like on TV or anything, like having a job that tethers him to watching every game. He's no. done different things since he retired, but man, That's what awesome. a weird award. I did not realize that that was how it was selected. So good, good for him. Damn. Good for him. We love, I'm not going to say that. I don't care about Mark Messier either way. <laughs> Any last thoughts you'd like to share Taylor before we uh, wrap up? Do you have any recommendations for the people? I'm about specifically. I'm so I'm about to watch the season finale of Obi Wan Kenobi. However, I did finish Stranger Things. Yay! Holy shit, man! Wow, that ending. What a picture! God damn, what an ending! That was crazy, and I'm so so glad that the new season, or well, part two of the new season, is released on July first because. Holy cliffhanger, holy plot twist, holy everything. It was fucking crazy. What a season. I'm so glad that they decided to dedicate time to this. I know people were kind of intimidated by the run times, and obviously it's not a... Just a bunch a of sh- mini movies. Isn't the, the... For part two, aren't they all at least an hour and a half? Yeah, they are an hour 45 and two and a half hours. Jeez. So, but with what I've seen so far in season four, like that was worth it. Oh, yeah. uh, there was a time when I used to watch another show that cost a lot of money on a certain network. It's not, uh, it was not no. a streaming Netflix show. It was a, uh, it was some other network, some acronym, and it was just a fantastic, like first six seasons. And then the last two seasons, the showrunners got bored and they're like, eh, let's just wrap this up. Let's get it over with. Don't take too long. Tell the people. They know what show it is. Is that a little defensive there? Yeah. And so I'm I'm all about these shows that have earned it, taking the time to wrap things up and doing things with the proper stakes, setting things up well. Add it. If you're going to add a billion characters, you kind of have to do this. Yeah, so, absolutely. So good for good for Stranger Things. It is spooky. There's some crazy shit going yeah, on. Yeah, they really did well adding the horror to this season. Yeah. And it, it's it showed that's grown up, I think, because the first season, even though there's some scary stuff and it's there's horror elements of the first season, it is a show about 11 year olds or whatever 12 year olds are supposed to be. So it's like more of a kid show. And now these kids who are all very clearly 18 and playing 15 year olds or in the case of the people that are playing 18 uh, year olds, they're like 29. They, uh, it, the, the themes have matured. Uh, the whole show, uh, man, what a great time this show is. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's been consistently good, and there really doesn't feel like there's been much of a significant drop-off. I mean, it's almost each season has been like an event, and it's lived up to the hype each and every time. So, yeah, it was it just very, very well done. As you know, Taylor, I'm not much of a horror person that much, but damn, that was just so good. Thrilling, yeah. thrilling, if you will. They, they've, they've done a good job with uh, combining the important two elements of spooky, ooh, scary, and then uh, human drama, which I think often horror uh, doesn't have that. I think there's a lot of great horror recently that's that's nailed that, but nothing uh, says this or, or symbolizes this quite like the running up the hill scene. 
Oh, one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a TV show. And I saw it as soon as I watched it, I said in my head, like, I'm going to watch that a hundred times drunk on YouTube over the next five years. <laughs> Good. What for a fantastic scene. Good for Kate Bush. Yeah. She owns the rights to most of her music. So she's doing very well. Very well. Yeah. I'd be very happy if I were. Yeah. Kate like, Bush, if you're listening, consider dropping some money on DraftKings promo code THPN. Kate Bush, if you're listening, consider dropping some money just in my personal bank account. Hit me on Venmo, actually. Can I have like 10% of, of what's being made? 10%? Oh, my God. That's, it's a, that's it's a good chunk. Of, it's a good chunk of change, but I could put it to good use. Kate Bush, I'm only asking for a tenth of 1%. A tenth of 1%? I mean, I, I all right, maybe like, maybe like 2% would be great. <laughs> man anyways though yeah no really really love stranger things so yes we can finally formally make that our recommendation unless you have something else nope that's a dual recommendation love so, that my former savers player of the episode is tony mckegney tony mckegney all right i'm gonna still go lives with, in buffalo i'm gonna go with uh paul gostad all right the goose the goose is loose. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode. Wait, is that in honor of Tony Saragusa? The goose? The other goose who died today? Did he really? Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah, it was just before we got on. Oh, get out. No, I, I didn't even realize that. Well, RIP. RIP to the goose. Well, anyways, everybody, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode right now. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. Take a look at, give a listen to all of the other great content that's being put out by both networks. And make sure you're following them on social media as well, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, as Taylor had said before, make sure you're heading over to DraftKings and using promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Yeah.